0: Get ready for biblical preaching and teaching. I am Pastor Adam Bigelow. Isn't it time to get unstuck? This is the Reaching Forward podcast. Romans chapter 5 verse 5 and hope make if not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad. That means to greedily run out. That means pouring out. That's what it means. There's no secret service Christians, right? That means when the love of God is in you, it comes rushing out like a, a line broke in your bathroom. We had a line break in our bathroom from the toilet, and it burst out of the bathroom. And I'm driving, and my wife is there going, Honey! It was coming, flooding the bathroom, flooding our bedroom, and it was on the second floor. And then it was raining. Sheetrock, not sheetrock, but what's that stuff? The knockdown texture from the ceiling was falling all over and it was flooding our first floor. Why? Why? Because the water was under pressure and it was greedily running out. That's what this means. There's no, You don't have to wonder if someone's a Christian. There will be no doubt in your mind if someone is a Christian. If there is doubt in your mind, there should be doubt in that person who says they're a Christian's mind. Because when you're a Christian, man, you're telling people about God. You're not wondering if you can make it to church. You're grabbing your neighbor and knocking on their door saying... Come to church. If your car breaks down, you're saying, give me a ride to church. You're telling your friends on Facebook, you need to get God in your life. And they're like, man, you're religious. Like one guy said, you're a church boy. And I said, yes, I am. And he said, well, that's all right. You know what? When you're a Christian, the love of God is just coming out of your life. And you don't care who knows about it. Amen. So that's, I haven't even read my scripture yet. Shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost not yours but the love of god is the spirit of god in you and it's, god's got a big spirit which is given unto us so uh this 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 young man said my girlfriend left a note on my ps4 today now for those that you're age challenged like me a ps4 is a playstation generation 4 it's a game system i don't have one but i've maybe seen a picture okay so. <laughs> The man said, "Uh, my girlfriend left a note on my PS4 today. And his friend said, what does it say? And the young man said, well, my heart stopped beating because the note said, I just wanted to tell you, this isn't working. This isn't working. And the man said, imagine my relief when I turned it on and it worked just fine. (laughs) I would like to... (laughs) I would like to preach on the thought of a message this morning. God works. And I'm thankful God works. She said this just hasn't worked, and she was talking about the relationship. Anyway, but the guy was thankful. I guess it wasn't a good relationship. Anyway, but we know he has a good relationship with his PS4. So God works in our heart. And what Brother Velez said when he prayed is very true. God opened our hearts. And really, we can open our ears, but uh, Jesus said, if people draw near to me with their lips. Have you ever seen someone at a concert and they're like worshiping like some concert goer? They're just doing that because they want to get their picture. It's all about them, right? They're really not worshiping that person so much. Jesus said, I got all this fan worship, but their heart. That's what Jesus said. How did he know? Because he had the spirit of God. Their heart is far from me. They don't really want to live for me. They just want to be caught up in the experience, you know, like going to a concert. And uh, I like to preach that that's how God works this morning. God works in our innermost being. And there's some unique facts about the heart. So the average heart is the size of a fist and your heart beats about 115,000 times a day. Probably more if you've got a hard day at work coming on, right? The beating sound your heart makes is those little valves that open and close. And they're like the size of a silver dollar, like a half dollar, a silver dollar. And they keep opening and closing to let the heart out, the, the blood out of the heart. And that makes that sound that we hear if you can put your uh, you know, stethoscope on and, and listen to that heart beating it pumps about two thousand gallons of blood a day, and if you were to stretch out all your blood vessels, it'd be a blood highway that would extend. Did you know this? Sixty thousand miles. That's a long way, and yet the blood pumps through the sixty thousand miles in each. God, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. That's just amazing to me. And it says here that there is such thing as a broken heart. In fact. It was, it's, very, it's, it's troubling, but there was a, young, uh, a father that lost, I think, his wife in the latest Texas shooting. And he was not there, but he died. And they said he died. His wife was killed by a bullet. He died of a broken heart. That's what, if you can read in the news. And so he was under such grief that he had a heart attack and died. So it's a medical prescription. And then, thankfully, it says laughing is good for your heart. It reduces stress. You know that the Bible says a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but you know that's true? That if you laugh, that it's actually good for your heart because it increases blood flow and the blood begins to circulate. And as well as that, uh, a study found that uh, when you have a giggle, the lining of your blood vessel walls relaxes. Have you ever, have you ever just laughed and then you have to go like, oh. I mean, it's just like you let out the pressure valve, right? And if you don't know what to laugh at, get up real early in the morning and run over, and look at the mirror. I mean, you will laugh. Now, men, you go to bed and wake up kind of looking the same. Women, it's like a different person, right? So you just, you get up and your hair is like this and you're like, nah! like, and you know what? The pressure valve will release. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. So God works in our heart. Now, not the blood pump. That's not what, now the reason that that is called the heart is because that's really the center of our body, right? And the heart stops beating, we stop living. But what the Bible's really talking about is the center of who you are, the center of your thoughts, the center of your feeling. That's your spiritual heart. Romans chapter 5, the first thing I'd like to share is that God begins with a work in your heart. And if you say, well, preacher, I want one of those crazy Christians. How do I, what, what happens when you give your life to Jesus Christ? The Bible says in Romans chapter five, and look at verse one. If you have your Bibles, therefore being justified by faith. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you are not an ex-convict or an ex-sinner. You've been justified, which means completely exonerated of all charges that were against you. The blood that Jesus shed on the cross provided an atonement. It began to it linked you up with God. It brought you into his presence. And everything you've ever done wrong, is not just forgiven it's just expunged there's no more record you're like a brand new baby you don't see a baby come out with a cigar and beard stubble that had just robbed a bank with a you know pile of money well they've got no criminal record babies are brand new and what jesus told the nicodemus in john chapter three he said ye must Be born again, because that's the only way that you can be justified and your record can be expunged to have your heart changed. Now, the psalmist knew this in the Old Testament. That's why David said in Psalm 51, he he was crying out to God because he realized the source of the problem was not something that someone else did. It was him. And so he said, "Have you ever read this, created me. He said, a clean heart, oh God. He said, I don't want you to just forgive me of my sins. I realize that the problem is what's coming out of me, not what happens to me. And he said, and renew a right spirit in me. He said, I don't want just a new heart, but I want a spirit in me. You know, when God saves us, you know, God forgives us when we accept his forgiveness for his sacrifice. But have you ever had your alignment go out in your car? and you were too cheap to fix it because they told you how much it was gonna cost. And you're like, "Mm, no, I'll just drive home. So when your alignment goes off, your tires, they're rotated and balanced, right? But then inside of that, they can be crooked. They can be bent out, bent in. You can hit a curb and you can knock your car out of alignment. So it begins to pull when you're driving to the right or to the left. And you have to counter steer all the way down the road. So if you take your hands off the steering wheel, your car will begin to move to the right or move to the left. And you find yourself counter-steering as you're driving down a straight road. And you know that trying to serve God with the wrong heart is like trying to drive a car that's out of alignment. It's because the fundamental problem has never been corrected. And going to church without the fundamental problem of a new heart is like trying to just counter steer and counter fight. But what we really need is not only forgiveness, but we need to let the spirit of God into our life. And when the spirit of God comes in, you can let your hands off the steering wheel in a safe manner. Okay. And your car travels straight down the road. Why? Because we're led by the spirit of God. Because we're sons and we're daughters of God, and we begin to follow after, just like Benny was running after the, the kids at like eye level, it was their midsection. We're running after God, and we're making sure that we stick by God, and He'll never lead you wrong. Our heart becomes aligned with God's heart. That's how one reason you know, so how do I know if I'm saved? If you want to do things that God wants you to do, if you begin to read in the Bible and say, "You know what? I want that." I want to do that. I, I, I want to pray. You know, everybody knows that we need to pray, but as Christians, you're like, wait a second. I, I want to pray. You need to read your Bible, but I want to read my Bible. I need something. As a Christian, you sometimes just open up the word of God. I do it. I take my medicine. I take medicine, okay? What medicine? Well, vitamins, which the jury's out on if they work or not, Okay. <laughs> Some people say you rent vitamins. You just, you know, they come right out and whatever. But I take vitamins. I'm a believer, so whatever. You're still gonna die if you take vitamins, but I take them anyway. So C, D, E, F, G, no. <laughs> vitamin C, vitamin D, and a multivitamin. That's what I take. Okay. Is do you credit that? The greatest vitamin you can take as a Christian is B1. <laughs> that's what we need to do, is a, a B one. But In the morning i take my vitamins i take my prescription i read the word of god that's what i do the first thing before i check email before i look at i don't have facebook i was gonna say before i look at social media i don't have social media but before i look at the news i'm an old guy look at the news before i do that i read the word of god because i want god's perspective first Not what's happening in Ukraine. Not what's happening with this movie star. Not that this one had another kid or that this Kim Kardashian somewhere in the world doing something, okay? (laughs) Like Cardi B started to work out and she put out a workout tape called Cardio. (laughs) Get it? Not really. But you see, when you read the word of God, you say, well, I want it first. I want God. Why? Because I want God To work on my heart. Cardio is a workout. But anyway, that's the Greek word for heart in the word of God. It's called "cardia," And that's where we get doing cardio. And that's really what I want to speak on the second thing because this is the hardest part in Romans chapter 5. See, God works in our heart. God begins to deal with our heart. That's why you can't get away from it. See? It's alarming when God begins to work in your heart. It wasn't me, brother. I mean, I promise. God, when he works in your heart, begins to strengthen your heart. You know that when you do cardio, and that's when you work out, right? To raise your heart rate. Running is cardio. The stuff that Jane Fonda used to do. It's called aerobics, right? With those crazy legging things. That is cardio. So it gets your heart rate going. And you say, well, preacher, um, is when God begins to work in our heart, what does he do? God begins to strengthen our heart. And you know how he does that? It's counterintuitive, isn't it? When God strengthens, when God saves us, you think, well, man, God's just going to pour out blessings. He does in the form of tribulations. The Bible says that that's where I have a hard time. But if you can get this down, your life will fundamentally change in God. You know, if you want to work out and get better and get stronger, you don't eat Twinkies all day. I say, but it feels good to eat Twinkies or Nutter Butters, even if you say you don't like them and then go eat them anyway. That was directed, right? Because that's, it tastes good. I, I do donuts, Nutter Butters, i need eat a whole box of them. I wouldn't advise that. We'll talk about that later. This one man said, he said, I have the heart of a lion, the eyes of an eagle and a lifetime ban from the zoo. <laughs> but the Bible said and not only so but we glory that means to boast have you ever seen someone go yes like their team scores or something like yeah to glory is to to, to show off right the Bible says we glory it should Christians should glory it does say that Christians should glory he that glorieth boasteth glory in the Lord Didn't Paul say, I boast and glory in mine infirmities? Now that sounds like a psychological problem, doesn't it? But when God is working and you realize, if you read a plan, God has a workout plan for you and for me. And God is more concerned about our character than our comfort. And so God puts things in our way to allow us to do what? Make a choice. Have you ever seen that? Eat this, not this, you know? So God gives us a choice, and one of the things is better for you than the other thing, right? And so God puts us in situations in the form of trials, tests, cars breaking down, service lines snapping in your house, right? And say, preacher, what am I supposed to do? We glory in tribulations. Boast about it? When my, when my something breaks at my house, when my, when my child puts uh, jelly all over the kitchen, because she's trying to make her own, been there, done that. If you've raised a bunch of kids like the Juniors, there's probably been a lot of jelly on the kitchen. And there's probably been stories enough to write a book, right? <laughs> So what are you supposed to do, become a bitter old person? No, you're supposed to glory. Why? Because we know that God is working his cardio in us. And it said that tribulation worketh, God works, right? Patience. You know what patience is? Not long suffering. Patience is cheerful, from the Greek, cheerful endurance. Like. Praise God, it's not happening yet, but it's going to happen soon. That means, like, praise God, it hasn't worked out, but all things work together for the good because that's what God does. Then we have to have, we have an attitude, we pass the cardio test that, man, this stinks. Or if you're from the King James, this situation stinketh, right? But you, you know that it stinketh, but you can glory in it every time. But my daughter uh, mis- makes misbehaves. Sometimes there's a. A uh, little guy from How to Train Your Dragon, He's like falls and he goes, I am hurt. I am very much hurt. Isn't that the other guy or the other guy? I don't know. So we make a run up and down the stairs and sing, I am hurt. I am very much hurt. And today I was running up and down the stairs singing it. What were you doing? Just trying to make light of something. You know that when you have cheerful endurance, that patience when things, because things are going to go wrong. Let me tell you, all the time, every day, And how you respond to it is going to determine whether you have a life full of joy or a life that is captive to circumstances. Today, I missed the light coming to church. We were already like 10 minutes late. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? It's like, preacher, I was late to church. Well, you know what I'm talking about, right? So how did you deal with it? We missed the light. And I told my wife, what did I say? Like, yay. We miss the light. Say, preacher, is that crazy? No. It's good for your heart. And you say, preacher, it's better to be on time. But it's better to not stress about it. Because you know when the greatest, highest risk for a heart attack is? This is medically researched. Do you know what day? Anyone have a guess? No? What? Monday. You know, you're exactly right. That is the great, and I've got a, a, a study right here that I copied, but Monday morning is the, the highest risk for a heart attack. A literal heart attack. And preacher, why? You're likely to have more of, have a heart attack on Monday morning more than any other time of the week. Doctors have long known that morning is prime time for heart attacks. And this man said we call it the witching hour. That's because the levels of the stress hormone called cortisol peak early in the day. When this happens, cholesterol plaque that is built up in the arteries can rupture and block the flow of blood to the heart. And in the rise of blood pressure and the increased heart rate from the stress of returning to work. That's why Monday morning from the weekend. So Friday's a good day. Saturday's a good day. You know what Sunday people do? They they, they stay away from church and stress out all day. And if you, I I believe that that's what people do. They say, I just need to rest, but they're not. They're stressing out. And they're stressing out for Monday morning. You know, we have church twice on Sunday. Why? Because I don't want to be stressed out on Monday. Because you you stay away from church, but then you're stressed out. And people are stressed out to when they get a heart attack. Monday! And because why? Because they're like, oh, it says if you return to work stressed out, you after and your heart rate is going, you have the perfect recipe for a Sunday morning heart attack. They said, what's the what's the resolution to rejoice in the Lord? And again, I say rejoice to be grateful and thankful unto him. Man, come to the house of God and say, what's going to happen tomorrow? I don't know. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to sit around and worship God and let tomorrow be tomorrow. But you see, Monday is the second day of the week, not the first day. We need to put God first. God's there on Sunday. It's the Lord's day. You know, that's an amazing thing. John, the revelator said I was, he was in prison on a prison island. He was banished for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. You know what happened to him on Sunday? He said, I was in the spirit On the Lord's day. He said everything was going around me crazy, but I had the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord, it says in Nehemiah, is my strength. And he was there worshiping and suddenly Jesus appeared to him. And the Bible said that God gave him the book of Revelation. God knows what he's doing. And he said, oh, preacher, if I can rejoice in the Lord, and I can glory in this situation, what's going to happen? Let me tell you, God's going to work the situation out. He has before, hasn't he? Remember that thing you stressed out about and God worked it out? I remember. And then you get what's called tribulation work with patience. And patience, he's his cheerfulness. It works out experience. Now, I'm not saying I've solved this. I'm just saying the key to doing this is starting to boast in God when things are crazy. Just really. It really works. Why? Then, when you, then you don't have to feel like an idiot when God works it out. So I didn't do this and I was stressed out not yesterday so much but (laughs) when when my daughter was gonna start kindergarten see we have one car and uh, my daughter was about to start kindergarten while I had a day job how are we gonna get her to school there's no bus and the school is like three miles away how are we gonna work so i talked to my wife and I said okay so we'll uh we'll um what I I was gonna bike to work 10 miles, and that was a bad idea, because I'd get killed, probably. (laughs) Or fall, break a leg, like literally. So I was like, that's not a good idea. Okay, we'll get everyone in the car early in the morning. We'll all drive me to work, and then you go back and drive her to school, and then you come back, pick her up, pick me up from work, and it was gonna be like hours on the road. And I'm like, I don't like that either. Have you ever done this? And you're like, none of these look like good ideas, right? And I was like, I don't want to buy another car. What about a motorcycle? That's not a good idea. And I was like, I had no idea what was going to happen. And I wasn't glorying in God. I was like stressing in God, right? Yes. Stressing out of God. Stressing while claiming to be a Christian. I don't know. But anyway, so, and I'm a preacher. I'm the preacher. I'm one that's supposed to tell everyone else that this is what you're supposed to do. And I wasn't doing it. That's a bummer, right? But so right before Emma started school, and I didn't know that God was going to work it out this way. I became a full-time preacher well all of a sudden i didn't need a second car because i could drive who would have thought that why don't you just drive i can't i have to go to oh wait i can do that now so all of a sudden the problem was just gone and it didn't didn't work out until right before pretty much she went to kindergarten but you know what a lot of times have you ever been to walmart when does that door open that automatic door does it open when you're getting out of your car 50 feet away or if you're it's a very, very crowded day at Walmart, 3,000 feet away, you get your steps in, right, at Walmart. It's like, I think that's Walmart. That's why they have to put a big sign there because you're so far away when you park there. You got to, like, see the sign, make sure you're walking to the right store. But it opens right before your nose hits it, right? And I've got a big nose. And I think once that the the thing was slow and I almost did hit it with my nose. I'm like, come on, come on, come on. I was about to stop because it wasn't going to open. But that's exactly the way with God. Sometimes he lets the situation almost fall apart and then the door opens and God works it out. That's called experience. And you know, if God can do it once, he can do it again. And the Bible said he gives you what? Hope. Man, the God that did it before... He can do it again. That word hope means to anticipate, usually with pleasure. You don't hope that you're gonna get run over by a car tomorrow, you hope for good things. I hope for my bonus, I hope for my blessing, I hope that uh, they mess up my Starbucks order so they'll give me the free one and remake it, right? So that's a blessing, I guess, if they mess up your Starbucks order. You know that sometimes, you just have to have a good attitude, you never know what God is gonna do. So a preacher with Starbucks, God can't bless you with Starbucks. We were just sharing. We were in the Dallas airport Christmas day. Wanted Starbucks. I told my wife, I'm going to go here. You go get the Starbucks. I think it was the Dallas airport. It was Christmas day. She comes back, line ain't moving. Line ain't moving. Sorry, honey. And I'm like, oh, no Starbucks. So I'm like, okay. And then this like, airport employee, he has a little container with like the four things of Starbucks. And he's walking with that little container through the terminal. And I just did this, I kind of put my hand out like I wanted one, and he stopped. This is a stranger in Dallas, and he goes, here. And I said, no, 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 and then I said, okay. And he put out this like custom-made Starbucks, and he said, Preacher, you take that from a stranger? I mean, a stranger flies my plane, I guess. I mean, I never look at the pilot, it could be Bigfoot or Chewbacca up there. But you know what, yes. I took it and a stranger makes my coffee at Starbucks. But you know what? I took it, had the little like thing in it, and my daughter was drinking freshly made Starbucks on the plane. God can deliver anything. But you know, if you have that hope and say, God, I'm just gonna choose to trust in you before I have it figured out. And the Bible said, hope maketh not ashamed and you see that's where we get to but one of the keys my wife comes to the piano is beginning to rejoice before it all works out beginning to boast in the middle of you and then that's something we can all do we've all got something going on in our life and say you know what god I'm going to quit worrying about it. So preacher, I've got rent. So does everyone on the face of the planet, okay? We should thank God that we have to pay rent. Thank God for a mortgage. That means I've got a place to stay. So preacher, but i got a phone bill. Thank God for my phone service. Thank God for my internet service. God, you're so faithful. You can pay it and give me an upgrade. God is good. It's all the way we change, the way that we think about it. Thank God. That my car gets rotten gas mileage because that means that God can pay for my gas. God is faithful and when we change our mind, you see God works in the heart. In the heart to be, bring us to God and then the heart when we come to God. And you know what? He does it in a counterintuitive way, doesn't he? But it's to give us a choice to trust him and a choice to say, God, I believe you and you have a plan and the third thing and I'm already out of time. but. That love of God, when we trust him, is shed abroad to others by someone that loves and trusts God to show someone else, hey, my God can supply your needs too, not just mine. And some people think Christians don't have any troubles. Oh, we do. (laughs) But I like the song that said, tell your troubles about Jesus. (laughs) Instead of telling Jesus your troubles, tell your troubles about Jesus. Tell your problems about him. I'm thankful that God could come on the scene, and He could fix our troubles. But I'm getting ready to close, and I remember that years ago, I had another car. It was the same as I, same brand, called a Subaru. And one day, I got out of the car, and my parking lights were still on. And I turned my lights on, turned them off, and I couldn't get the parking lights to go off. And so I, I, I didn't want to kill my battery. We still had. We had two cars back then, so I went and unhooked the battery, and then the lights went off. I'm like, I can't. So I went to the library and got a book with the electrical diagrams. Do you know what electrical diagrams look like? Spaghetti. And I had no idea what they meant. I looked at the pages, going, I'm not kidding. And and uh, then I began to pray. I did. God, how are you going to fix my car? I got electrical problems in my car. I can't get... I have to hook the battery up, unhook the battery. Hook the battery up, unhook the battery. And one day I was just thinking about the situation because we think about our problems a lot, right? So I was thinking about... Not you, I did. And then I was just taking it to the Lord. Like, God, I don't know what to do. And God laid something on my heart. Hey, check this. So in Subarus had this really curious little thing on top of the steering column and it's a switch to turn your parking lights on i never use it and they don't have it on the more current models but they put this thing in there i guess to for people to flip their parking lights on so no doubt i went to my car sure enough and the parking lights went off and i began to think hmm i caused that (laughs) I was the source of my problems. And you know that a lot of times you try to blame God or try to make it complicated, but isn't it sometimes just us? And I just turned it off, and the lights went off. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, you know, sometimes, even before we realize, you say, well, God, maybe it's me, and maybe it's my attitude. And if my attitude can change, let God do a work in my heart. And if you're not a Christian, God can change you. From the bottom of your feet to the top of your head. God can make you a new creature. But God's not done yet. God's going to begin to help you work out. Work out your own salvation. God will help you to develop as a Christian. Why? Start by doing this. And maybe you're in the middle of something right now. And I want to give you the word of God. From Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 2 and verse 3, excuse me. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also. But we glory when we're going through something. But we boast knowing. See, God's working things out. And we're giving Him glory by faith prior to the thing working out. That's an exercise in faith prior to my relationship problem working out prior to the thing in my house working out you just write you fill in the blank and say God praise God and he said preacher I don't have it worked out but God does and Jesus knows what he's going to do and God's going to create a new heart in me a heart of faith a heart of joy a heart of peace and many shall see it your kids will see it your neighbors will hear it through the walls, right? They're just rejoicing and laughter and blessing and hope. They'll catch it in your words when you're not ashamed. Because I know God's going to do something. God's going to come on the scene. God's going to work it out. Let's, let's all find a place to pray. These altars are open. Brethren, get what you need from God. Let God do a work.
1: And if you're going through something,
0: take the hand of Jesus Christ and say, Lord, walk with me. Walk with me, Lord, and carry me. You carry me and I'll lift my hands. Lord, you carry me and I'll rejoice. God, you give me the strength that I need and I'll take what you give me and I'll let the world know that you're faithful. And God, that you can make a difference in my life, in my family, in my work, in my walk. And God, you can give me a peace that passes all understanding Christians know what I'm talking about I don't know why I'm not worried about this but God's given me peace like a river and it's flowing out of my heart with the spirit of God and the love of God and the confidence not self confidence the world needs less self confidence and more God confidence Lord I trust in you Though me, Job said, yet will I trust him. God, whatever I've got to go through, I'm going to come forth as gold because God is going to do a work in me because God works in the hearts. Lord, my chains are gone. Mercy God. Mercy Sing one more time that chorus. My chains are gone. God, thank you that my chains are gone. Thank you for the trial that you trust me with. God, I boast in you. You're bigger than the million-dollar problem, God. You're bigger. You're greater. You're mightier than the physical need. You're mightier than the emotional uh, burden that I carry. God, you're greater than the enemies that I face. God, we boast in you. God, we love you and we trust you. <laughs>